Hi guys, this is the Greedy Reader and welcome back to Forgotten Books, my podcast where I bring you books that were popular once upon a time but have somehow become forgotten over the years. It's raining here in Kochi, the perfect weather to call up with a book. I know, I know that's not always possible but one can always dream, right? You should write to me about your perfect rainy day read. You can write to me on Instagram where I'm the greedy reader or on my YouTube channel the greedy reader or contact me on my website www.thegreedyreader.com. Now, let's move on to the forgotten book of today. The book I have chosen for you is The Man written by Irving Wallace. I have mixed feelings about Wallace's books because I love some of them. At the same time, I'm not a great fan of some of them. But The Man, the book of today, remains one of my all-time favorites. Written in 1964, the novel explores the effects and consequences of the first African-American president taking charge in the US. Douglas Dillman, our main protagonist, is a mild-mannered senator, the token person of color in the cabinet. He becomes the president due to a totally unprecedented and unexpected set of circumstances. You should remember that this was in 1964 when an African American president in the United States was considered an impossibility. This novel turned out to be one of the most provoking novels of that time. In fact, this book was burnt in some states when it released, but it went on to become a New York Times bestseller. Irving Wallace's son David Walachinsky writes about this book you know that his father wrote quote you see back in 1964 my father wrote a novel the man about the first black president his protagonist Douglas Dillman is a retired university president who enters politics and unexpectedly becomes president when the people ahead of him in the line of succession die my father received death threats for suggesting such a possibility and one evening a white man telephoned our house saying he was coming over to kill my father he was headed off before he arrived on the night of the 2008 election friends and family gathered at my house to watch the results when it was announced that barack obama had won many people including me were moved to tears i was so proud of my father for having brought to the public attention the idea that a black citizen could become president at a time when such a concept was unheard of my father had received death threats for creating a fictional black president and now 18 years after my father's death the american people had elected an african american president I cannot even imagine my father's emotions had he lived to see this day. Unquote. Now, let's move on to the story. When the story starts, the vice president of the US has recently died. And since the novel was published before the adoption of the 25th amendment, the office remained vacant. Now, the 25th amendment ensures that uh, the president can appoint somebody to the post of vice president if due to some reason the vice president has to vacate that post. And before that, in the time when this novel was written, um the post of vice president if it was vacated due to 
any reason like death or inability or whatever it had to remain vacant until the next presidential election so uh, the man was written during that time and now we have a vice president who has died and the president and the speaker are in germany so the cabinet is waiting for them to come back to conduct the funeral of the vice president and they are all waiting and but in a freak accident the president is killed and the speaker is critically injured he later dies in surgery so according to the law of succession in the united states the presidency gets transferred to the president pro tempore of the senate and this happens to be douglas dillman the soft spoken african american senator a well read man a very knowledgeable lawyer but somebody who shuns publicity and he is as shocked as the rest of the nation when he comes to know that overnight he has become the president of the united states of america dilman is sworn in and he takes charge in the face of widespread opposition and according to a survey conducted during the time 61% of the country disapproves of him but what's worse is that he himself doesn't think he's suitable for the job his opposition includes not only white races but blacks who find him not supportive enough and who say that he plays it safe all the time then there are many citizens who have no idea who this person is and they judge him purely on the color of his skin to top it all there's the secretary of state who's a shrewd and manipulative man and he is the next in line for president so he wants the job more than anything he knows that if douglas dillman is removed from the post then he can step in and become the president so there are all these factors working against our douglas dillman and it is the beginning of a very very difficult time for him both in his personal life and in his capacity as president his son has major differences with dillman whom he accuses of being very conservative dillman's daughter has identity issues because she has fair skin and so she would much prefer to be identified as a white person so she does not want anything that connects her to her father dilman is completely stressed by everything that's happening to him naturally we can understand that right he is extremely hesitant bordering on reluctance to ask for help so he is trying by himself to flounder and find out how to get out of this difficult situation or how to handle this difficult situation and the problem with him is that he is so overcautious with being fair to both african americans and the white population that he ends up being totally ineffective and there are instances where this attitude of his is highly annoying you feel that he is giving in too much to everybody around him you feel that he is not enforcing the power that he has but i loved it in one way because valis has shown us a real man with all his weaknesses and frailties brought to the fore nothing is hidden and actually douglas dillman is a good man who gets a very unfair deal in life and initially he swept along by the stronger voices in cabinet and in his staff you know when he willingly agrees to play the role of a figurehead because he feels that he just cannot do anything in the situation he feels that he is the least competent person to be in that post and he is completely overwhelmed he even allows a clearly unconstitutional bill to go through 
prohibiting him from removing any member of his predecessor's cabinet. And this action is what will bring him down ultimately. Anyway, that's at the end of the book. So after Dillman steps into the role of president, he has a lot of issues with everything that's happening around him. And slowly, gradually, he comes into his own. He starts standing for what he believes in. But he is met with opposition from all sides. And there are times when we are filled with anger at the way people treat him. But this anger on his behalf makes the reader totally involved in the narrative. Dillman has not only to deal with all the domestic opposition, but he also has to deal with Cold War Russian provocation. So, you know, in 1964, don't forget that the Cold War was happening and Russia was trying to flex its muscles. So we feel so sorry for this person who's trying his best, who's trying his, what he thinks is right for the country and what he thinks is right for the people of the United States. And he's completely at a loss with nobody to guide him. But what actually hurts him the most is the ferocious hostility from his own Americans. Dillman's days of strife and conflicts come to a climax when matters come to a head and the Senate meets for the first time in a hundred years to impeach the president. This seems strangely prophetic since there really was an impeachment of a US president 35 years later. This book peels back the layers, the outer layers, and shows the inner rot in America, a land which professes the value of equality and liberty, but which shows neither to large sections of its society. The situation actually is seen even today, right? So many decades after this book was written. Wallace has actually done a great job of etching the characters of Dillman and a few key members of the administration. You know, there are these subplots which I'm not even getting into because I really don't want to confuse you guys. I just want to show you the main premise and tell you what a fantastic book it is. You know, the, uh, the way Wallace has written the book, the narrative makes the reader totally invested in it. And uh, it does slow down a bit here and there, but uh, we must remember that this book was written at a time prior to the internet and Google. So a lot of background information had to be given to make matters clear to readers. Towards the end of the book, a new poll is conducted and the result released. And it shows that two-thirds of the public have moved to the undecided column. Dillman's advisors are overjoyed because this means that he isn't being liked enough, but there are lesser people who dislike him. And there are more people now who are willing to give him a chance. But Dillman takes a clear decision that makes us admire him so much. This story of how a normal, ordinary person is thrust into a very uncomfortable situation and how he deals with everything that life throws at him. This is a stunner. The man featured on the New York Times bestseller list for nearly 38 weeks. Dear listeners, you must read this book. It's uh, slightly dated in a few parts, but that's okay because on the whole, it's a marvelous read. The eternal story of an underdog who fights against seemingly unsurmountable odds. He makes peace with himself and his situation. Read this book to get into the mind of a person who is very real, who has his weaknesses, his failures and still tries to do his best. 
he still tries to hold on to his value system. And Douglas Dillman reinforces our belief in being ourselves in the face of all odds. So I'll just end this with a quote from the book. Quote, All man's honours are small beside the greatest price to which he may and must aspire. The finding of his soul, his spirit, his divine strength and worth. The knowledge that he can and must live in freedom and dignity. The final realisation that life is not a daily dying, not a pointless end, not ashes to ashes and dust to dust, but a soaring and blinding gift snatched from eternity. Unquote. So, that is The Man by Irving Wallace and we come to the end of this episode of Forgotten Books. This is a book that has affected me a lot when I read it for the first time and it still resonates with me. So I would request you, I would request each one of you to go and read The Man by Irving Wallace. Thank you so much, my lovely listeners, for listening to me and spending so much time with me. This is something that I really enjoy. I feel that I'm talking to people. I feel I'm talking to so many lovers of stories. And I feel that I'm bringing stories to you. And that makes me so happy. My next episode will be out on the 20th of this month when I come with the next forgotten book. Till then, you guys stay safe. Stay happy. We'll meet soon. Bye-bye.